Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Next Tuesday, there's an auction for laser cutter machines, downdraft tables, tools, toolboxes, high-reach equipment, storage containers, and more. Auction is open right now. RollerAuction.com. Get notifications. But upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com. Backslash MHS. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos always have great promotions. On the weekend of March 8th, they are giving away Mustang RTR or nearly $28,000 in cash. Get on up there. See how you can win. Check out their awesome sports book, outstanding menu, and really loose slots. They can't say that. I can because I play there often enough. Head on up to Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smokin' Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. The Milwaukee Bucks playing their first game under new head coach Doc Rivers had a pretty good history before he got there of playing great offense. Defensively is one of the reasons why their head coach got fired. Mm -hmm. But it really isn't that much of a surprise considering things that they lost in the offseason. Right. But I digress. Second highest scoring team in the league at 124 points a game. Second best shooting percentage in the league at 50%. The Nuggets clamped down big time. One thing that we said, or at least I said, about the Nuggets last year was this. No matter who they play, feel free to roll the ball out there. Tell the Nuggets how you would like to play, and they will beat you that way. That's what happened last night. You want to get into a high-scoring game? Well, we'll just turn up the crank defensively on you. And a lot of that was spurred on by the bench. Not offensively, but three guys in that lineup, Watson, Brown, and Jackson, were all a plus 10 or better. Christian Brown didn't score, and he was plus 10. Did not score. Well, it's not about him scoring. It's about the team scoring while he's on the floor. Right, but I mean, but my point is, that he contributed very nicely in other ways. He didn't have to score the ball. Um, those three guys off the bench were fantastic. And and actually, DeAndre Jordan, too, for the eight minutes that he played, right? I, he mean, was ter- I don't know why they don't yeah. play him more. I just don't. I don't know why they don't play him more. When I say that, I mean Michael Malone. But <laughs> then again, it's his team, and he can do what he wants to, and yeah. he, has a, he has a ring, and now he has 400 wins. Yes, he does. The one thing that I said about Jamal Murray at the end of the playoffs was this. I think it might have been a good learning experience for him in this way. He doesn't, like Jokic, he doesn't have to score in order for this team to win. Towards the, in the NBA Finals, he was dishing out a lot of assists. Sure. He wasn't putting up huge, you know, bubble numbers in terms of scoring. I'm hoping yesterday was another learning experience for him that he can still score a ton without throwing up three-point shots. He threw up two, missed both, and still scored 35. I think that... Uh, and again, he was challenged by Malik Beasley, who was in his grill, and Beasley was begging Murray to drive around him. And he did. You know, I think that... Uh, and I don't want to sound overly simplistic with this, but I do think that there is a form of osmosis that takes place when you play with a player like Jokic. 
I think it changes who you are as a player because it changes your awareness of the way that you can play differently as a player. In other words, if you are a guy that has been a scorer and nothing but a scorer, Jamal Murray coming out of Kentucky, uh, certainly Michael Porter Jr. coming out of essentially AAU. I guess we give him nine games at Missouri or whatever it was, three games, four games. Josh Kroenke played more games at Missouri. Yeah, but you get my point. You have a certain perception. And by the way, there's not a player that comes into the NBA that's not a scorer or that doesn't think they're a scorer, just like there isn't a player that goes into college basketball thinking they're not a scorer. Well, Everybody there, there's, thinks there's, there's a scorer. There, there's one guy I can think of. Okay, well, there's always an exception to the rule. Yeah. Most players right. think they are scorers. Yes. Now, Jamal Murray's a scorer, and Michael Porter Jr. is a scorer, but the games, their games, and the way that they play – have morphed. Aaron Gordon was a scorer, and he can still score on occasion, but his game has morphed. And I think that playing with a guy like Nikola Jokic, can that's the positive effect because you see how selfless, yet how great he is by being selfless just because he does so many different things to affect the game. And now Nikola Jokic has taken that and become it's now it's kind of cool to like Nikola Jokic, whereas you might have had people arguing against him two or three years ago. Well, he did this and he does not. He does so much to affect a game and to win that it's actually cool to like Nikola Jokic. Why do you think LeBron was always and still is to this day criticized? He gives up the ball too much. Mm-hmm. He's not selfish enough. Michael Jordan wasn't. What what wasn't selfless? Kobe Bryant wasn't selfless. Those guys are stone-cold killers because they always want the ball in their hands. LeBron James, yes, he always wants the ball in his hand, but he understands that if his teammates around him are better, he has a better chance of winning a championship. And he does it gladly. Right. Without, there there is no, well, what if I'm not going to get mine? And that's a real thing in the NBA. The guys want to get theirs. Think about this. One of the most unselfish superstars in NBA history has the most points in NBA history. Let that sink in for a minute. One of the most unselfish players in the history of the league has scored the most points. Now, granted, playing as many years as he has Mm -hmm. certainly has something to do with it. But when you talk about tone setting for Nikola Jokic, in all the years you, you have worked, Have you ever worked for, let's just say, a news director or a leader in the newsroom who was moody? Have you ever worked for somebody like that? Okay. Yes. So what do I mean by that? I have as well. Alex, I'm guessing you have as well. When the leader of the team walks into the room who is moody, the entire newsroom takes on the personality of the leader's mood. If that guy comes in upset and angry, everybody's on edge and people become more edgy. If that guy comes in happy, everybody seems to be kind of relieved and happy for the day. For Nikola Jokic, pretty laid back guy, totally unselfish, and the team has taken on his identity. And that is why you can see them winning another championship. I mean, you. I mean, it's not out of the realm. It's not going to be easy. There are a lot of 
roadblocks along the way, and here's, we've got a long way to go. Here's but. the question for you. I think when you look at Watson and Brown, mm-hmm. okay, they are still more defensive-minded players. Yes. The question is, can they win a title this year getting more defense off their bench than offense off their bench like they got last year? Yeah, and, and the question still is the consistency off the bench because I think that I think that it's fair to say there are nights where the bench plays, but you hardly even notice them. I mean, they just don't add a lot to the equation. Then there are nights like last night where they, you can make an argument, save the game or put them in a position to get back on track to win the game. Okay, I'll give them that kind of credit. So you've got to be more consistent. But yes, to your question, the answer is yes. Because I think these are, and Reggie Jackson is more of an offensive player. Yes. But, but I do think in Watson and Brown in particular, you have two guys who know their value is rooted in their defensive and rebounding consistency, defensive consistency more than anything. Peyton. I think that Watson is really intriguing because of his length, both as a defender and things, other things that he can do. But if I just know, if I'm Michael Malone and know that I'm going to get really good defense from those guys every night out, I'll take my chances with them. I'll take my chances. Cause you know that Reggie Jackson is going to score. Right. Coming up after the break, the avalanche are at the break. Where are they at at this point in the season? Our Avalanche insider from Mile High Sports, Eric Dean, joins us next. Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Next Tuesday, there's an auction for laser cutter machines, downdraft tables, tools, toolboxes, high-reach equipment, storage containers, and more. Auction is open right now at RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com. Backslash MHS. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Paramount Sighting and Windows. Paramount Sighting and Windows, it's quality in everything they do. Find them at ParamountSightingAndWindows.com. We need to do this more often, but at least we're doing it today. We want to bring in Arif Dean. He is our Avalanche insider from MileHighSports.com to talk about where he believes the Avalanche are at the All-Star break. Good morning, Arif. How are you? 
I'm doing great. I uh, will definitely take halfway through the season as the first visit. You know how these seasons can be a grind, so it's only going to get more chaotic from here. Well, I got to tell you something. I follow hockey, and Bruce follows hockey. We don't follow hockey like you. No. And if you will agree to come on the show every day unpaid, <laughs> you're in. How does that sound? <laughs> it would sound a heck of a lot better if it was 8.15 p.m. than 8.15 a.m., I'll tell you that. Ah, uh, there we go. No, no, because that's going to be right in the middle of the game. I would rather take that than the morning calls. Trust me. Wait, are you, are, wait, are you single? I am. I am not quite the uh, that, everyday morning person, but that explains uh, it. Yeah, that enough. explains it. Well, I'm glad. Hopefully, you didn't have too many shots last night. You got in at a reasonable hour. You did not wind up at good times where it turns into bad times, and you're exhausted right now. But let's get to the Avalanche. Uh, Avalanche right now sit on top of the Central Division, second most points in the Pacific. We will get our second most points in the Western Conference. Let's paint this with a broad brush first, and then let's drill down. Overall, how do you think the Avalanche have performed so far this season? I would say add expectation is the best way to put it. Uh, in the sense that, I've been saying this since the 2022 season. That team was so stacked that I don't think in the cap era, at least not in the McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen era, given their contracts and where McKinnon is now, where Rantanen will be in about a year and a half and where McCarr will be shortly after that. I don't think they will ever be as stacked of a roster as they were in the 2022 Stanley Cup season. But the most important thing is they do not need to be. That team was just above and beyond in terms of roster build, probably in in the cap era since 2005, 2006. So I don't think they need to be that good. However, given what had happened last year with their lack of depth on top of all the injuries that they had, this season is going about as I thought. If you ask me about individual players, you know, is Ryan Johansson working out as I maybe had predicted? Obviously, I would tell you no. Is Bowen Byron <laughs> playing as well as I would say? Obviously, I would tell you no. Georgiev's 899 save percentage, not as good as I thought. But the team as a whole, a broad brush, it's about at expectations. They are one of the top five teams in the NHL. They're pushing for a division title. They're pushing for a Western Conference title they are one of the teams that you can expect to see in the Stanley Cup final. And RF, how much? Well, that's quite a statement. In the Stanley Cup final with their depth in the third and fourth lines, you would expect them to be in the final. So I could see it, yes, because the trade deadline is still around the corner. Like the funny thing is, last year I was doing podcasts three times a week with J.J. Jerez, and we were talking about how the Avalanche need quantity over quality. That's how bad their depth was. Mm-hmm. We did an emergency podcast when they acquired Dennis mm-hmm. Malgin. We did another emergency podcast when they, imag- <laughs> when they uh, acquired Matt Nieto. Yeah. That's how bad their depth was. Yeah. Now you have Logan O'Connor, Miles Wood, and Ross Colton. I know right now they're playing second-line minutes because Matushkin's out and Lekkonen literally just came back. But that's your third line. Last year, your third line was a new hook that had 30 points and Nieto and Malgin. Like, it just didn't make sense. So, yes, I think their depth is better. Is it good that one injury 
gets you Curtis McDermott in the lineup? No, absolutely not. But that's where the trade deadline comes into account because even the 2002 or 2022 stacked avalanche roster went out and added three forwards in Lekkinen, Cagliano, and Nico Stern. So you add a couple of guys like that. Are you going to go out and acquire a Nico, uh, Arturi Lekkinen caliber player? Probably not. But if you bring in a couple more guys like Andrew Cagliano, like Nico Sturm, you're right back in the picture, which, by the way, they just did one of those with Zach Parisi. So they're already starting to get the wheels in motion of exactly what I'm telling you, which is they have the depth. They just need a couple of more plug-and-play guys so that when an injury comes in, when the Chushkin enters the player assistance program, it doesn't get you Curtis McDermott in the lineup. It gets you a Zach Parise. All right. I definitely think the depth is there compared to a season ago. All right. So what, what, what we're hearing from you is they are what you thought they would be. And they're sailing along at 32, 14 and three leading the division, just a few points off the Western conference lead. I'll ask you now, how much more of a ceiling does this team have to improve under? Because if you just look at goaltending alone, that alone, if that can improve somehow, can't this team be that much better down the season's second half? Absolutely. They're on, I believe, I, I don't have my game story from the other night in front of me, but it's something like 13-3-1 since that bad loss to Chicago a month ago. There's something like that. And if you remember, the one in 13-3-1 was that brutal game against Arizona where they blew a three-goal lead in the third period or whatever it was. Um so there is more room for improvement. I honestly think that if they go out and bring in, a, like, the, first of all, they need center depth. If they bring in a center and they bring in goaltending help for Alexander Georgiev, you'll see the lineup kind of take better shape in terms of having a center play that Ryan Johansson role that just hasn't been working out. And also take a little bit of the workload out, off of Georgiev. Georgiev is, has been a lot better over the last couple of weeks. He shut out Vegas. He had, you know, a couple of bad games on that road trip or maybe, maybe a bad game. And then there was another game where the Avalanche defensively as a whole were just like struggling. But then they go out and they win three straight to end. They have that Philly game where he let in a couple goals late when it was garbage time. They were up three or four. That's not a huge deal. But then he goes out and lets in two to the Capitals and one to the LA Kings heading into the All-Star break where he will be. I think he looks a lot better. My biggest thing with Georgiev, there's a lot of talk about, do you trust him? Would you use him to, to, to ride to a Stanley Cup? I have no issues with Georgiev. The same way I didn't have issues with Darcy Kemper, which 24 months ago, that was the conversation. My whole thing with Georgiev is losing Pavel Francouz before the season began and not having that tandem goalie is hurting this team and hurting him a heck of a lot more than people might take into account, which is why bringing in somebody to help him, it could be something as simple as a Marc-Andre Fleury, or it could be something maybe like a Jake Allen in Montreal who's under contract for another year. Getting him goaltending help, not to take over for him in the playoffs, but to play a, like a 60-40 split the rest of the way to keep Georgia fresh, I think would do wonders for him and we, for this team. We are talking with Eric Dean. He's our Avalanche insider. You can catch all of his work on milehighsports.com. I've been a longtime hockey guy, as have you. 
The name Zach Parisi means a lot to me. I love yeah. this guy's game. I mean, dating yeah. back nearly two decades. To me, he's the type of guy you want on your team. He's a piece that's going to help you win a championship. He's a glue guy. He always seems to perform, yet he is 39 years old, and he hasn't played this year. Are they looking at Parisi, cheap option, as trying to catch lightning in a bottle with him like they did with Ryan Johansson? I wouldn't say it's to that extent because Ryan Johansson, you're looking at a guy that had a good 2022 season. Yes. Uh, a bad 2023 season. And, you know, they were able to get him half off and, you know, the whole thing to, to fill in their second line center role without paying any assets. And it was like, okay, maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle here. Zach Parise is a different story because obviously is he the Zach Parise of, of five no. plus years ago? No, that's, that's definitely not the case, but you see veteran players constantly uh, kind of take on effective roles later in their careers in a different way. You know, case in point, let's look at the other free agent that signed about a week ago, Corey Perry, oh. Corey Perry scored 50 goals. Once he was a top line yep. right winger. Then he turned himself into an effective bottom six forward where he went to three straight Stanley Cups, obviously being on the losing end all three times, which is just so unfortunate. You can't blame a guy for that, but he was able to turn himself into that kind of a player. So now you have Zach Parise, who in 2009, when Joe Sackick was in the NHL, Zach Parise was a 45-goal, 94-point yep. player in the NHL. And yep. if you remember, that was in an era where hitting 100 points was reserved for like the mm-hmm. Sedins, Ovechkin, and Crosby, maybe sometimes Malkin. Like it wasn't as normal and prevalent as it is now. But now you have him. He leaves Minnesota after that buyout. He goes to the Islanders. He plays in two seasons, all 164 games. Doesn't miss a game, which Jared Bednar referenced, reliability. My best, of it, my, my best uh, saying in hockey is the best ability is reliability and availability, and that's what Zach Parise will give you. He scores 15 goals and 20 points in the year the Avs won the Cup, and then last year he comes back and scores 21 goals and 34 points. So he's averaging 34.5 points a season the last two seasons, playing full seasons, He's got power play goals, multiple of them, and shorthanded goals, multiple of them, over the last two seasons, playing 15 to 16 minutes over the last two seasons. This is not a player that is the Avalanche are hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. This is a player that reminds me kind of of like the role of a Logan O'Connor. Granted, he's kind of exceeded that over the last couple of weeks, but it's a player where is he going to you know, ultimately be a failure? No. Is he going to go above and way beyond? No, but you know what you're going to get with him. He's going to be an effective role player. Uh, I use that as an example. As I said, once again, Logan O'Connor is kind of going above and beyond lately, but you know, that's been about a two week stretch. He's just a guy that you can trust. That's going to be reliable. He's going to give you the same type of leadership as an Andrew Cogliano. And I know this sounds silly. I know this is a narrative thing that journalists love to do, but Man, teams love when you have a guy on the team that you want to fight for to help him get his ring. Mm-hmm. You know, we all remember Ray Borg, but even guys like Cogliano and Jack Johnson, two guys drafted in 2005, they meant so much to the Avalanche back in that uh, Stanley Cup year. Eric Johnson drafted in 2006. Like, there's a reason why the Stanley Cup went from Landis to Eric Johnson right to Andrew Cogliano. 
because they wanted to get those guys their cup. Here, here's Zach Parise yeah. was drafted in 2003. Here's he was one of the last remaining of that draft. Here's another way to put it. Maybe lightning in a bottle is wrong because you're right. And that's why I love Parisi. First of all, um, when he was with Minnesota, every time I saw him on the ice, I'm like, man, you got to face Zach Parisi. He was just one of those guys to me. So I guess another way to put it is for all of the years that he has played, he has a higher floor, but a much lower ceiling. Is that fair to say for a guy of his age? 100%. Bingo. That's the best way to put it. He's not going to exceed, exceed, exceed expectations, but he's not going to kind of just completely flame out. He's going to give you pretty much exactly what the Avalanche are expecting, which is good veteran, middle six, you know, minutes, power play time, PK time. Uh, If he was playing a full season, probably around 30 to 36 points. He's not playing a full season, so just average that out for whatever's left. Hey, Eric, really appreciate your time. We yeah, do need to get insight. you on more. The abs are on a roll right now, and I hope you'll be willing to come on our show at least one more time in this calendar year. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, definitely, I can give you that. I can okay. probably give you a few more this season going into going into the last little bit here uh, before the trade deadline. I'm, I'm really excited to see the road trip coming out and to see where Parise fits in. Like That's something to look forward to. Yeah, for yeah no question. Got this new piece. I got to tell you, no matter where he is on any line, I will feel good wherever he is slotted in. You love this guy. Because of his history. Yeah. Because of his history of being a solid NHL player at one time he was. You can make the case. He was elite. But to me, he's the type of guy you want in your locker room. You want on the ice. He's a gamer. And with all due respect to Cogliano, he's not Cogliano or Logan O'Connor. He was a proven star in this league yeah. for a long time. And now you get him for next to nothing. Arif, do me a favor. I think you have my email address. Send me your drinking schedule Monday through Thursday or <laughs> Sunday through Thursday, and then we will book you accordingly. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Arif, thanks for your time. Thanks, Arif. Yep, no problem. Arif Dean always does a great job Tremendous. with the Avalanche. We didn't even get to Nate McKinnon. We'll do that next time. You know, uh, what's there really to say at this I, point? I, I mean, yeah. I'm, how many Seriously. more superlatives can you roll yeah, out, right? Yeah. All right, coming up after the break, Nuggets fans were all over Joel Embiid for not playing. He's scared of Nikola Jokic. Well, we found out why he didn't play through reliable sources, including our very own Nigel, who did a little scouting on his own the day of the game. We'll tell you what Nigel said, or he'll tell you what he said, or what he thought when Embiid didn't play, and that should clue you in on what is going on with Embiid right now and why he probably has very little chance of winning the MVP award, and it has nothing to do with Jokic. That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. 
Welcome back. Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Roller Auctions Twitter feed. At Bruce Hurdle. At Eric Goodman. Next Tuesday, there's an auction for laser cutter machines, downdraft tables, tools, toolboxes, high-reach equipment, storage containers, and more. Auction is open right now at RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com. Backslash MHS. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Roller Auctions. Get what you want at the price you want. Go to RollerAuction.com slash MHS, and they'll send you notifications on their latest auctions. I'm going to start this segment by saying, please, let's stop with the conspiracy theories, and please, let's stop furthering these conspiracy theories about Joel Embiid. Nigel, you were at the game on Saturday. You said that you watched Embiid warm up, and how good did he look warming up? Not very good. Not very good. He wasn't mobile like he normally is. His knee looked like it was bothering him a lot. And he was mostly shooting a lot of stationary jump shots and not really running around a lot. So I'm guessing it did not surprise you at all that he did not play. Not very much. Not based on the warm-up. Okay, so with that, Ramona Shelbourne and Shams Charani, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, not totally sure. They both reported that Embiid desperately wanted to play in this game against the Nuggets, nationally televised game knowing it's going up against his friend, yep. Nikola Jokic, but he could not play in this game. With that, he missed the Nuggets game. He missed the game last night, and he will more than likely miss the game tonight in Golden State unless Mr. Miyagi walked into the room and suddenly <laughs> fixed him. So, so as Sweep the leg. Right. So as we stand right now before tonight's game, Embiid can miss five games, and that's it, or else he won't qualify for the MVP award. It will likely be four after tonight. Could very well happen. Um, I'm still betting on him to play enough to be considered for the MVP. I'm not. Fair enough. And what's funny is you can bet on it, and your odds are a lot better because after he had that 70.18 rebound performance against the Spurs, he was on top of the list at FanDuel to win the MVP. Sure. After the Nuggets game, some will have a conspiracy theory. Well, he fell because clearly he's afraid of Jokic. No, he's not afraid of Jokic. The numbers are dwindling him for him to even qualify. Remember, this is a guy who has never played more than 68 games in an NBA season, and you covered him at KU, and he was injured all the time. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm still betting on him. I'm still betting on him to get to the number. But but I, I'm with you. I mean, if a guy's hurt, a guy's hurt. And and I'm just the whole he's he's afraid of Jokic thing is just so silly. I mean, he dropped forty one or whatever it was on Jokic, you know, two weeks ago. Right. I I mean I mean and I get the oh well, you know, he doesn't do it on the road. I, I, I hear you on all of that. If you had a team and Joel Embiid was on it, you'd love him because he's a hellacious player. He's one of the greatest players on the planet. He's a superstar. He's a superstar in athleticism and talent. However, I don't like some of the things that come out of his mind. No, no, no. He's not, like I've said, I've been very clear on Joel Embiid from the get-go. He's not someone I cheer for. He's not someone I cheer against. I'm a little meh on him, but I recognize his ability. 
I recognize his ability. And, um, and I do think that I think that there, that personal things matter more certainly yeah. to Joel Embiid than they do Nikola Jokic. They don't matter to Nikola Jokic at all. So don't even compare and contrast anybody with Jokic when it comes to that. He just wants to win games. He's proven it, for goodness sakes. We'll see. What do we have coming up on just in case you missed it? We'll talk about the Nuggets' recent stretch and how they have fared against some really good teams. And what did Jim Harbaugh say about meeting Justin Herbert for the first time? That's all next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman and Hurdle. Watch us at mylifesports.com. You can reach us, Roller Auctions, Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Is this a Taylor's version? Taylor's version. I nice. mean, it better nice. be. It has to be because so my daughter tells me in the car, it has to be Taylor's version. She knows. Mia knows. Well, of course she knows. She's a teenage girl. Of course she knows. Does that have to do with who owns her music? Yes. Okay, right? Yes. I mean, why do you know Taylor's version? Are you, it, are you a secret all, fan? I mean, she's an icon. She's a global icon. That's not the... That's not the that's not, not. That's a great answer to another question. I'm not a Swifty, but I do like no. some of her music. Yes. How often do you listen to her a week? Oh, I don't know. Enough Never. once or twice. Enough? Yeah. Really? Never. I mean, I when my wife has her on in the car, and I don't mind her. She's fine. I just wouldn't seek it out. It's not my style. Just put on some Bruce, and you're fine. Um, it's like your binky. Just put on some Bruce, and I'm it, pretty good. But it's like, I mean, it's like a child with a binky. But I go. But I go a lot of different directions. So. You know that's a that's a very broad brush well, that you just painted. I I was talking about music. Stroke. I I can't account for your deviousness. I don't even know what you're talking about. By the way, if you want to reach on the Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman Tuesday, week from today, uh, auction for laser cutter machines, downdraft tables, tools, toolboxes, high reach equipment, storage containers, and more. Auction is open right now at RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Alrighty, just in case you missed it, in the Nuggets' last six games, they have won at Boston, at Washington, at Indiana, lost at New York, and then returned home to beat Philadelphia and Milwaukee. 
Uh, this stretch was regarded as the toughest of the season, and it's not over yet as Denver is at OKC tomorrow night. What level of impressed are you by the Nuggets' record uh, over this daunting stretch? I mean, it's been absolutely solid because they've been doing really good work on the road. And we know that they're a great team at home. We know how tough of an out they are uh, at home. Um, when you become, and they're not going to be as tough as, as an out on the road, obviously, but when you become more competitive and a tougher out on the road, that's when you're growing as a team. And the Nuggets are that way. I don't think there's any team that has more than 14 road wins in the NBA. Um, but the Nuggets are right there. I think there may be a couple that do, but I don't think anyone has 15 that I know of at any rate. So, yeah, I mean, that is what impresses me. Listening to that stretch, including the game, on the road against OKC, I would say the OK, winning at OKC mm -hmm. or winning at Boston would be the two most impressive of the bunch. And honestly, I would rather them win at OKC than win on the road at Boston. OKC is an up-and-coming team. OKC has played the Nuggets very well. I think they've won. They're one and two. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Nuggets are one and two against Oklahoma City. Correct. That's, this is their last game against them, I think. That's the game that is most important yeah. to me. You're in the same You're in the same conference. And you might face them in a seven-game series. The only time you face Boston in a seven-game series is if both teams survive to get to the finals. Well said. All right, just in case you missed it, in his first interview since accepting the, the Chargers coaching job, Jim Harbaugh said that he had talked to some of the team's top players, wide receiver Keenan Allen, safety Derwin James, and quarterback Justin Herbert. He said his meeting with Herbert left him a little starstruck. Harbaugh said, I love Michigan, but I love the NFL too. There's no Lombardi in college football. I've got so many sands left in the hourglass, and I want to take a crack at that. What do you think of Harbaugh saying he felt starstruck when he met Justin Herbert? I think that he was thinking about the relationship between the two of them rather than Justin Herbert right. himself. I think that he looks at the possibilities of this union immediately paying huge dividends. And you know what? He could very well be right. Harbaugh going to the Chargers and having Herbert as his quarterback is really the same as... Peyton going to the Broncos with Russell Wilson. It's an arranged marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Peyton knew when he came here, he really wasn't thrilled about the arranged marriage. I think that Harbaugh was thrilled to inherit a quarterback like Justin Herbert. And now that he has met him, oh, he is ready to yep, get married. Exactly. Because he's excited with who he is with. Right. I think he, to your point, to piggyback on that, I think he met him and said, this is a guy I really want to spend time with, guy that I really want to work with, and I think we can do some special things together. I think that's what he meant as much as anything else. No question. Not because of Justin Herbert's resume, which quite frankly, outside of statistics, is not overly impressive. Yeah, it's not his persona, which I think is very likable, but I think it's the, the just the, oh my God, we can do some things together. And that's a powerful thing. If you can check that box, that quarterback box, you are so far ahead in the game. You like to work with a guy, and you, you work on the same level, kind of like Peyton and Drew Brees. Yeah. They were kindred spirits. Right. They got each other. They worked the same. They had the same drive, the same enthusiasm for the game. Who does? You know what it's like? It's like having a radio partner. 
I thoroughly enjoy coming in here every single day. Thank you. And working with Alex and Nigel. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right, just in case you missed it, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, with Michael, I meant it. Yeah, th- just like you. it sounded. <laughs> all right, all right. With uh, with Michael Malone achieving his 400th career victory last night, does Malone have a spot on Mount Rushmore for all-time Colorado coaches? And uh, who else would be on that for you? Well, I mean, Mike Shanahan is clearly on that. I I would think that he's probably on that now. I mean, who's ahead of him? I mean, George Carl has won more games. Doug Moe has won more games, but that's going to be taken care of here in short order. Well, I'll put this in perspective for you. If the Nuggets, okay, finish with a record of 56 and 26, mm-hmm. they had 53 wins last year. If they finish the season winning 23 games and losing 11, Malone will finish the regular season already tied with George Carl. And he's about, what, 10 games, 11 games behind Doug Moe. Right. Barring some unforeseen circumstance, you will have Michael Malone's name in the rafters for the most wins in Nuggets history. Mm -hmm. We'll get more into this, you know, later on in the week, probably. Jared Bednar certainly would have to be considered. He's he's at the party, that's for sure. How many guys have won titles as head coaches in this town? Shanahan, Kubiak, Malone, Bednar, but Hartley, uh, Bob Hartley, and Mark Crawford. That's it. That's it. And Hartley was wasn't around, I believe, as as long as Bednar has been. Same with Crawford, or at least in terms of total wins. So both Bednar and Malone will be on that list, yeah, for sure. The only question is, can either of those guys surpass Shanahan as the greatest coach? in Denver sports history. And that is a conversation we will have later on this week. How do I know this? It's sitting right in front of me in the show notes <laughs> as we saved it from today, moving it forward throughout the week. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, good news for you. Good news for you, Bruce. All wines from Spain and your favorite spot on the planet, Portugal. Are 15% off. Nice. Go check them out for that. They deliver to the entire Denver metro area. Every delivery over 200 bucks is free. You're also going to get free delivery on your first order of 25 bucks or more through the app. Go check them out off of Colfax as well. Nigel and Alex, great job as always today. Same with you, Bruce. I will try and do better tomorrow. Make the best possible day you can. Thunder, lightning and the thunder, thunder, feel the thunder.